Welcome back to another edition of No Block Sports. I'm your host, Jason Green, and this is episode 62. And just like every other every other 61 episodes, we have a lot to get to today. Um, obviously, the NBA Finals is set for tomorrow, as I'm recording this. So I guess when you hear this today, um, Tuesday, July 6th. And uh, Bucks for Suns, man, great for the NBA. I'm going to get into my whole predictions, analysis, and like five things I'm looking for in the series we're also going to go over my conference finals predictions and what i saw in those series to take away in the nba finals um also just the teams that got eliminated the clippers um and the hawks what should they be looking for next season and why do i think that they lost but first like always i'm going to tell you what's on my mind and that is the luck of the irish finally went chris paul's way listen it is no secret that chris paul is one of the most interesting NBA players I think we've ever watched. Um, Anywhere he goes, he wins. But he doesn't win at the highest level, right? Like, he always makes every team better. But he could never get past the second round. But you knew with him off those teams, they simply weren't as good. But the dilemma was, he didn't play when it mattered most. He was always injured. I mean, we talk about the Rockets series. Against the Warriors, he's up 3-2, hurts his hamstring, can't go. Um, against the Spurs, it's the game-winning shot in Game 7 of the first round. He gets hurt in that game. It kills them for the second-round series. Um, it, It's just multiple times in his career. It, it almost happened this year, too. In Game 1 against... Uh, yeah, in Game 2. Or Game 1 for the Lakers, he got hurt. I mean, then he got COVID. You know what I mean? It's just everything has always not gone CP3's way. Right. And even if a year of winning, it sort of didn't go his way. But AD gets hurt, right? No Jamal Murray. And I just want to say real quick, I'm putting that the rest, no Jamal Murray. They would have beaten the Nuggets in five or six with Jamal Murray. Yeah, I would have said five. I'm, don't tell me they're winning that series with Jamal Murray. They won that series with ease. But then you get to the Clippers, and there's no Kawhi. And they take you to six. And if there's any team that has an argument, the Lakers and the Clippers have an argument that with their best player, they could have beaten the Suns. But you could always make the argument that if Chris Paul was around for all of those times where his teams lost because he was hurt, then he'd have maybe a ring on his hand, and his legacy is completely different. But I bring this up like he's more interesting because Chris Paul takes a lot of heat, not just from the media, but from former players. You literally saw DeMarcus Cousins. In game six, when they're clinching it, he said, this is why nobody, he says, no, this is why nobody fuck with you. As he literally said that, I, now, almost a quote, like, this is why nobody fucks with you. Because Chris Paul has this stigma. Apparently him and Blake Griffin didn't get along. Apparently him and James Harden didn't get along. Um, everywhere he has gone, apparently he's a little cancer in the locker room. And that's just what the people are saying. That's not what I'm saying. And all the slander and all of this is in year 16 and people think he's on his last legs. And he does this. I don't think I've been happy, more happy for a guy to do, to pay his dues more than Chris Paul has. Seriously. I mean, dude, there's so many players that never win a championship. There's so many players that never made to the NBA Finals. And Chris Paul was literally looking at another all-time great to never win a championship. It was him. He would be the greatest point guard never to win a championship. And he's better than Stockton. Am I missing one? Hopefully I'm not missing one. So, it's just amazing what he has done. And I just want to say congrats to Chris Paul. I know he's not listening. But if you've been listening to my podcast the past five, I was for the past ten episodes, how many times have I let off the show or tweeted about how much I love Chris Paul? 
I think Chris Paul is the second best point guard in the NBA, and I take him right behind Steph Curry. It's better than Damian Lillard. Um, if you want to count Luka as a point guard, fine. Fine. Uh, it's up in the air for me, but he's the second best point guard in the NBA. He is a ceiling and a floor raiser. That's a good. It's, it's very hard to be both of them. And I just wanted to say congrats. I mean, this is actually awesome. For the first time, you're going to play in the NBA Finals. And they're favored, minus 195 so far. And once again, a little luck on his side. Giannis, we don't know how healthy he is. But, I mean, it's year 16. Age 36. Year 16, man. CP3 in his first NBA Finals. Congrats. And to me, he's just so special to watch. And he's one of those players you're going to look back and say, man, I hope he never leaves the game because he's just so special to watch. And that, to me, and that's what's on my mind. Um, all right, so before I get into the NBA Finals, um, I'm going to talk to you about, well, I'm going to go over my predictions for the Conference Finals. You know, as as transparent as get, if I'm wrong, I'll tell you why I was wrong or what I thought would happen that didn't happen, and I was right. I'm going to brag and say why I was right. So first, let's go through the Eastern Conference Finals. I had the Bucks in five. Now, the Bucks won in six, but it was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. What the Bucks did in game three, I tweeted that right as it happened. I thought it was such a pivotal step for not only the team, but the franchise. Because think about it. I tweeted it right after one. The Bucks of three years ago, the Bucks of last year, the Bucks of two years ago would not have won that game. They just don't. They don't win that basketball game right there. They pack it in. They just can't get the job done. They're not executing late game offense. They didn't have someone to go to. And that's just the truth. Chris Middleton doesn't win you that game last year. He doesn't win you that game two years ago when you know when it was the one seed. He won you that game. And the Bucs team just doesn't win that a couple years ago. It just shows the growth and the time that it takes. Um, I will say this. What's, I'm going to lay this to bed real quick. They're not better without Giannis. Stop that. It's asinine. It's idiotic. And it's stupid. And if you think that, don't talk basketball with me. What I will tell you is that the same thing that happened in the Clippers series is the same thing that kind of happened in the Bucks series. When you have someone that has such a high usage rate and averages 28, 11, and 6, two, the game can go two ways when you're out. One, the team doesn't know how to function without you because you literally do everything. Or two, the team understands that now everybody has to pick it up and you got a little bit more freedom, a little bit more leeway, a little bit more... Um, I can now exercise some of my more skills because I have needed to. Like, Chris Middleton was not getting double-digit rebounds. But he noticed when Giannis was out, he was getting double-doubles. Notice how P.J. Tucker kind of stood in the corner when Giannis was always in the game. But then Giannis decides, goes, oh, I'm going to go get more boards. I'm going to be more aggressive. I'm now going to access myself as the number one defender that I was in um, in Houston. I mean, you saw Brooke Lopez go off 30 points. I mean, it was just a little bit more spread out. They didn't pack the paint anymore. They got a little bit more spread, more pick and roll, more drive and dish. Even though they do that with Giannis a lot, but it was just it seemed like there was a lot more space on the court. What broke Lopez, and he was just nailing threes, a little bit more comfortable. It's the same thing that happened to the Clippers. They're not better without Kawhi Leonard. But did you ever notice how much spacing they had on the floor? How, how much it seems like they were trusting each other a little bit more, especially in the clutch? How Pete, Paul George was saying, this, Listen, I, don't, I don't have to... You know, worry about Kawhi or me giving him the ball or something like that. Like, in the clutch, like, oh, who is it, me or me or you? No, it's me. Like, it's me. Chris Miller didn't have to worry about Giannis in the clutch. He didn't have to say, oh, I had to give it to him or run up a play for him. He goes, this play is drawn up for me, and I'm going to ball out because I understand it's my team right now. 
And sometimes that goes one or two ways. It's how that's how you know how good of an NBA player you actually are, how good of a sidekick you are. Chris Middleton and Paul George proved both of that, how elite of a sidekicks and a number two that they can be. Because they weren't proven in years past, and I'll get to Paul George in a second, but Chris Middleton really stepped up. They don't win that game three years ago, two years ago, a year ago. Um, for the Hawks, um, no shame in whatever happened. Listen, if Trey Young doesn't get hurt, and honestly Giannis did go down, um, obviously Trey went down in game four, um, or he was sorry, he went down in game three. Um, Giannis obviously went down in game four. It's a big what if. Let's trade such a polarizing figure for that team. They really circle around him. Really, most of the offense runs through him. Um, but no one, I didn't think they'd make it at the first round. Okay. So what, I said the same thing with Memphis when they, when they won the playing game. Like anything that happens afterwards is just icing on the cake. Once to me, the Hawks got out of the first round. Anything after that was icing on the cake. A young team switching head coaches halfway through the year. Trey Young's first playoff experiences. You really, that next matchup was not an easy matchup. That's a tough, gritty team that teams don't like to play in the playoffs because they get physical with you. The, the fan base is hard. They're hard. They're tough. They're getting after you constantly. And they took the punch in the mouth right away. And they said, we'll fight right back. Swung them out in five. The Sixers, number one seed. Listen, it's hard. They won three out of the four on the road. You just don't do that. Everything was icing on the cake. I mean, listen, Atlanta had Sixers worrying about their future for the next four years. Think about that. That That's how good this playoff series was for Atlanta. Not only did you dismantle the Knicks, but you have the Sixers guessing everything or thinking about everything that they're going through in this offseason and making them think this is the most pivotal offseason of their franchise. And you took the Bucks to six. It's truth. You took the Bucks to six. I thought it'd be five. You overachieved in every single series that I gave them in. And that's what happened. So for the Bucks, um, little listen, they didn't have DeAndre Hunter. Cam Ranch was hurt for most of the time. They're only gonna get better. Trey Young's only gonna get better with this experience. Bogdanovich is not young. He's like 26, he's like 28, I believe. I mean, Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, Clint Cabell is still young, John Collins still young. This is I think they have the second youngest starting lineup in the NBA. This team is young. Kevin Hurd is young. I mean, the progression that he showed, and especially in that Game 7, I mean, he didn't play that well in the Eastern Conference Finals, but the progression he showed in Game 7 to understand that Bogdanovich was hurt and had to step up. They're at least 6-7 on Oneka, on Kongu, also played great minutes. They're 6 or 7 deep youth-wise. And to me, the way they play, they play at pace. You know who's going to play with Trae Young and all the shoes? You're telling me, I'm serious. If I'm Kawhi Leonard, and I'll get to Kawhi Leonard with this Clippers series in a second, you don't think Atlanta's a a good destination to go at? Like, not even just, not even just, like, Atlanta. Like, but, sorry, not even just Kawhi in general, free agency. Like, you don't think this is a free a number one free agent spot this offseason? Who's not going to want to go there? They play, they're young, they're up and coming. Uh, if I'm a star or if I'm a if I'm a player who's looking to go somewhere else, Atlanta's on my list. Easy as free list, and that is why they're actually probably the biggest. That's probably the biggest plus that they got. They are a free agent destination, and I expect them to get someone this offseason either via trade, trade some of the young guys, or via um, free agency. Kawhi Leonard, they should be going after him um, right away. Okay, Western Conference. I actually said the Suns in seven. Um, that clip, I got Suns in six. It was clo- it was Chris Paul. I guess I thought Chris Paul being I didn't think they'd win both games. Actually, really should have went seven because game two should have went to the Clippers. Um, one campaign 
amazing game, amazing series. Jake Cotter played great. DeAndre Ayton continues to be actually awesome in this series. Double-double machine. Um, love everything about his game. Chris Paul came back and dropped a 41-piece. I didn't even mention that what's on my mind. A 41-piece in Game 6 of the NBA Finals in Los Angeles. The team that got rid of you thought you were the problem. I can't believe I didn't have any of that. But that's what happened. He was amazing. He was insane in every single clinching game he had to be done. Chris Paul was the man. Devin Booker was consistent. He was active. You can tell the she's like that shit talking he was doing. Like Devin Booker is just a pure basketball guy. Now for the Clippers. This is the first time in the franchise where they can take an L, but really they took a W. You made your first Western Conference Finals in, that, in your franchise history. There's your first W. Paul George proved to me that he is an elite player again. He, he is a star. He's a star. I'm not, I don't want to come out that I never thought he was a star. He was never not a star in the NBA. But what he just did was one superstar stuff, right, that we thought he was in Indiana. And we thought, oh, man, this is the guy. This is the guy was rivaling LeBron in the Eastern Conference Finals. as a young buck. Out of Fresno State, he was the guy. He was one of my, I'm telling you, Paul George used to be one of my favorite players growing up. I saw him battle with Miami, and I was like, man, this guy is awesome. He's smooth, uh, he's skilled, he's lengthy, and he can compete. And everywhere he went from then, OKC, I always enjoyed him. I mean, with the Clippers, I, I've just enjoyed every, I've always enjoyed his game. But I always, you just got call as you see it. He just didn't perform in, in OKC in the playoffs. That's where he got the nickname Pandemic P. Or he got, like, playoff P or whatever. And then the Clippers, he obviously didn't show up. And it is what it is, but he he made a major W for what happened. Also, Reggie Jackson, you're about to get paid, man. Reggie Jackson averaging 20 points a game in the Western Conference is about to get paid. So what's the difference with the Clippers now? Kawhi Leonard's a player option. I'm 99% sure he's going to stay. Um, I don't see why he wouldn't stay. But... If for some reason they want to let him go or they let him go because he's not always healthy and he also sits out a lot of games and so far he has not showed up for the Clippers in the playoffs in the biggest moments. Um, he was great in the Mavericks series, by the way, and he's also very good in the Utah Jazz series. Um, but I think you got some pieces. They're a little older, but the continuity that the Clippers showed me, if I say, always oh, the term with the Sixers, like, run it back, I think the Clippers would be very content with just running it back. You fill little holes. I'm not bringing Zubac back. I'm trying to get rid of Zubac, so I'm trying to upgrade the center position. And I think they did that with Ibaka. Also, Ibaka was hurt the entire playoff. So I think Ibaka was huge to them, especially going small and spreading out the defense. And he's a better defender than Zubac. I would play him over Zubac every day. I would try to get a better backup center, start Serge Ibaka. But it's hard for them to get better. I think like Terrence Mann, what he did was great. That's That's your young talent. Right there, he's just going to keep developing, hoping he can become in like your Kawhi Leonard role where he just keeps getting role. Your Kawhi Leonard where he just keeps getting better and better and better, and all of a sudden he's very contributing. I think Ty Lue, also Ty Lue, I was never the biggest Ty Lue fan. Listen, when you coach LeBron, it's easy to look at him and say he's not a good coach. I'm sorry, they went 0 and 8 to be in the United Cavs. LeBron leaves, obviously, to go and he gets fired immediately. Um, he proved something. Um, he's definitely always has his guys prepared in the big moments. That's what I saw. Clippers have, well, the difference between Doc Rivers and Ty Lue to me was the one difference. I don't know if they're better stati- uh, tactically, but the one difference I saw is that one coach always has his team prepared in the big moments, and that was Ty Lue. Well, Doc Rivers, to me, just never had his guys in check when you needed them most. So congrats to Ty Lue. Um, I, yeah, I, I just think the Clippers, right, right top of that, while the Hawks are probably going to look for the big free agent, I just see the Clippers being pretty content and just saying, hey, we were that close in game six. We didn't have Kawhi. 
this is a championship team that has a championship window. Let's not mess with it too much. Get some better role players. Um, obviously, it's going to be tough to re-sign Reggie Jackson. It, it really is. So they're probably going to have to bring another point guard in, maybe Lonzo Ball, um, someone like that. But I, I like where they're at. I, I like I like with that. And last but not least, Pat Bev. Come on, man. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a fan of you. I also hate you sometimes. What you did to CP3 was not right. And even if you apologize for it, we get it. But you just can't do that. And a one-game suspension is not enough. It should have been five, at least. You just you just don't do that. You just don't do that. But, yeah, it's my conference finals review. 2-0. 2-0. I think the overall... I got I to gotta map up the overall record of what I am. But I think I've only missed, like, three series. I missed the Sixers-Hawks. I missed the Knicks-Hawks. Um, I, I don't think that's it. I mean, there, there is another one in there, but it is what it is. All right, that is uh my con- comments from Zoo two and zero sweep them. All right, um, it's the moment everyone's been waiting for. It's the NBA Finals. God, it's actually already here. Sports go by fast, man. Actually, crazy. I think the beginning of the year I had Lakers Nets in my NBA Finals. Clearly, injuries happen. It is what it is, but. Here we are, Bucks versus Suns. Before I get into the actual preview, um, the Bucks haven't won a championship since Kareem and Oscar Robertson were there. That's how long that go was. And the Phoenix Suns, this is their third NBA Finals ever. I think this is the Bucks' second. I don't think the Bucks have made the finals before that. At the top of my head, I didn't really research that, and I should have. But combined, only one championship between the two teams. Um, they haven't won for a long time. The, the four teams that were in the Western Conference Finals, the East Conference Finals, Clippers, no championship. Suns, no championship. Hawks, no championship. Bucks, one championship. This is awesome for the NBA. Um, I just want to say, yeah, real quick. Everyone always thinks the NBA is, oh, the best teams always win. And usually they do. It's like the favorites. Or the Nets are going to go over. The Lakers, the Clippers. I mean, those are the teams. Um, and, I mean, obviously the Bucks were up there. But no one saw the Hawks coming. No one saw the um, and the Suns coming. And look where they are now. It's amazing. The Suns and the Hawks were in last place in 2017 in their conferences. And look where we are now. Isn't that amazing? So let's get the first part of the series. I'm going to tell you four, five things all the time I had where I'm looking forward. Thing number one is how healthy is Giannis? Apparently Giannis practiced today. Um, where he's just shooting around and he had a, they said like an army of people watching him. If he plays, I don't know how deep the cut is or how bad the knee hyperextension is. We saw Joe Embiid come back and he looked virtually fine to me. But, Joel Embiid just had a little um, conditioning issue, right? The, the knee would wear him down. So he wasn't as good in the fourth quarter, but he really looked healthy out there, or as healthy as you can look. Trey Young did not look healthy at all. Forcing stuff, he was only taking threes. He was settling. He didn't really have that burst, so he was settling for long threes. And it matters. If you're not healthy, Giannis, it's not worth it. It's it's not worth it for your leg like like legacy wise like yeah I understand you want to play, but you might not make your team better by being out there fifty percent. That that is the truth. You want to argue about oh you don't make team better if you're only out there fifty percent and you're taking bad shots because you're compensating and all that you're not looking hundred percent and you're hurting your team, don't play. Only come back if you're hundred percent healthy. I hope he can play. He is the Greek freak, and it's whatever. Only having whatever he had. I thought a hyper extension would take at least three to four weeks. I don't even think it's been a week, and he might play. It's actually unbelievable. He dodged the bullet, but number one is how healthy is Giannis going to play, and two, if he does, how healthy is he? Second thing I'm looking for, 
I'm looking at the guards in the series because it's a very interesting matchup. To me, Chris Paul and Devin Booker are just a better version or just better as a one-two combo than Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, right? But on the one side, I got the better defenders, right? I got Drew Holiday and I got Chris Middleton. Those two are better defenders than Chris Paul and Devin Booker. But on the opposite, on one side, Chris Paul and Devin Booker are better players and they're better offensively, not only with their one-on-one ability, Right, because those two are also going to be going after in the clutch. Right, I trust Devin Booker and Chris Paul in the clutch more than I do Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. But getting teammates involved, like they both can run your offense. I don't see a lot of running your offense through Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday, but they're more of a spread out and they everyone kind of touches the ball, the Bucks kind of thing. While the Suns have no issue giving it to Chris Paul and Devin Booker every possession and letting them work, and especially in the clutch, they're just both mid-range. Um, Machines and also shout out to that real quick. Chris Milton, Devin Booker, and uh, Chris Paul, three of the best mid-range shooters in the NBA. Just remember that all analytics people, everyone that fall in love with the three, those are your three, three of the top five, I'd say top ten mid-range players in the NBA, and they're all three in the NBA Finals and leading their teams to be in the NBA Finals. Just just remember that, and um, next time. So. All right, so that's what I'm looking for too. The third thing, DeAndre Ian has been great in this series, but this is a whole different test for him, and here's why. One, he's a very young, and he's also the third guy. It's very tough to be a third guy, and even in a final situation. Right, having the Bosch all the time, we're underperformed a little bit. Um, Kevin Love. I mean, obviously different players, I'm saying with LeBron, but it's always a little tough being the third guy, especially in the NBA Finals. But in the first round series, um, he guards... Um, Montrez Heller, or regards, oh man, why Marcus Saul? I mean, these guys aren't really. I mean, even though Marcus Saul was two threes, like they're they're not really he, not really spreading up. Marcus Saul was, but he didn't really play a lot. And I'm blanking on the Lakers because I know Montrez Harrell didn't play a lot because he wasn't guarding AD either. But basically, in round two, right, he was guarding Jokic, right, who would do both. He really have everything. In round three, he was guarding Zubac. What I'm getting at is that this is a whole different test because Brooke Lopez is literally going to stand on the outside and get ready for catch and shoot threes. That's what he's doing. They're not posting up Brooke Lopez. He'll be setting screens, pick and pop, pick and roll, which is similar to Jokic. But it's it's it, it's different because Jokic, you're defending him one-on-one at all times. But on Brooke Lopez, you're kind of more help defending. So DeAndre Ayn is going to be in a lot of positions where they're going to drive and kick. DeAndre has to make the quick decision. Am I helping out or am I leaving my man And Brooke Lopez? Because you can saw Brooke Lopez will make you pay. And the issue is if Brooke Lopez starts to make you pay, right, then it just gets impossible to guard the Bucs. It does. They blew him out of the water once Brooke Lopez get hot. If the three-point shooters of the Bucs can get it going, I don't know how Phoenix can win this series if they can't defend it. And I think DeAndre Hain anchoring down the defense and being able to be, he's a very athletic guy, very nimble, very quick. Being able to go back and forth is going to be the biggest thing in this series for the Suns defensively. For the Bucs, another thing, so for the Bucs, what I'm looking at is who won, who's starting for Giannis in the series? And two, will they go small? Eventually, I see a scenario where Mike Boonehorst goes, I'm going to start P.J. Tucker at the five with, with if they start going down the series. That's what I'm interested in. What's the number one move people are going to make? Who's the You always look at who's the first starter going to be taken out. To me, it's Jay Crowder or Mikael Bridges on the Suns. And on the Bucks, it's Brooke Lopez. That's 
who they're taking out. And the fifth thing that I'm looking forward to in the series is obviously the coaching. Um, casual fans don't really care as much, but the adjustments, I say, I've been saying this the entire time the playoffs going on. There's two, the two most interesting games in the series are game one and the closing game. All that, or sorry, the most unpredictable. After that, it's all just adjustments. Game one, you, you kind of don't know what they're going to throw at you. Um, I mean, both teams have had a little bit of a break. You know, game one's game one. You don't want. To, I'm not saying you want to lose game one, but you're you're painting the picture a little bit. You're understanding it. You're getting the downloads, what they call it, right? Like in a video game, you're getting the download, right? Game two, on each game is a chess match. Like game one is like you're kind of feeling the player out. Games two through whatever before the closing game is a chess match. You're going back and forth. Monty Williams will be, um, you know, doing moves correlating to what Mike Boonehoser does, and they'll be drawing up plays with defenses that they think are going to run and. You know, it, it's an absolute chess match, and it's beautiful to watch. So I'm going to see who's going to make the first big move, right? Who's going to make the big first move in chess? Like I said, it's dropping either dropping a starter or, you know, playing people differently in rotation because what Mike Bunozer has learned, this is the number one thing Mike Bunozer learned from past years. I'm playing my guys. Other years, he would go, he, he would trust his bench too much, and this year, he just hasn't done that. Because Brent Forbes, yeah, you were hot in the first round. I'm playing you six minutes if you're not shooting it well. Giving you a chance in the first half, and that's it. And Mike Boonehoser has really learned that. And I think Monty Williams is a little different. Monty Williams really trusts his guys. He's going to play campaign, I mean, 15 to 20 minutes if he's hot. And I think he's going to give him multiple chances, right? Listen, both these coaches are experienced. Both these coaches are really good. Um, I don't think Monty Williams won Coach of the Year, but I know Mike Booner has. Mike Williams should have won it this year, but I don't I don't know the last time two coaches won Coach of the Year in like a three-year span they're coaching each other against the finals. But that's like the fifth thing I'm looking at, the adjustments made game by game. Listen, game one, I'll just give you my betting insight real quick. I think it's a five-and-a-half for the Suns. I'm taking the Bucks all day. Game one is the toughest game. Or sorry, the second toughest game because you just don't know. And I like the, I, I kind of like the Bucks actually to win game one. But let's get to my actual prediction, okay? My actual prediction is this: I got the two of the better three players in the series. Actually, I, you could argue that Chris Paul and Devin Booker are both better. Both of them are better than Chris Mountain and Drew Holiday, and I think you could. So I got the two best players in the series right now because obviously Giannis is out. But if Giannis comes back, I have the three of the top five. It's weird how that works. I don't know how healthy Giannis is. But I do know this. I do know that the Bucks to me, are a little deeper, like seven deep, right? Like I like Content's game a lot. I like what he's been doing. Um, then I think the Suns are, especially trusting people on the bench. But it's going to be a heavy starter series. It's going to be a heavy starter series. I like the Suns better in the clutch. Um, I like, I, I like their spreadability, but I mean by that is like their chances of like getting hot from three and Mikhail Bridges and Jared Crowder compared to like someone like PJ Tucker or Brooke Lopez. And the Suns have been, the Suns are the better road team out of the two. But to me, I don't know what it is. I just like the Bucks defensively more. I think they have so many elite defenders that just, that, the Suns have not seen. Because like they didn't get to see Kawhi and Paul George. Right? I mean, the Lakers didn't really get to see AD. So, I mean, Nuggets not that many finders. I just think 
Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton are going to make it tough. And they got bodies to value. Maybe you throw Pat Condon as a good defender, P.J. Tucker, and they got better shot blockers. Brooke Lopez is a good shot blocker, and it's going to be tough for Dodgers. It's, it's the best defensive matchup he's faced easily so far in the series for DeAndre Ayn. And not only is he going to dominate the boards as much, sometimes, I hate this because I'm a big Chris Paul guy, sometimes it's just your ear, your year, right? I say this all the time football. I thought the same thing for the Ravens didn't happen. The Ravens were great two years in a row, but they, they disappointed. Then this year, they weren't as good. And I was like, oh, now I feel like it's their year. Virginia Cavaliers, first round exit, multiple early exits in the tournament. But then for some reason, this was, there's, and then they actually underperformed. And no one, they not underperformed. They actually were one seed, but no one had them winning at all. And they won it all. Sometimes when everyone counts you out or everyone says, oh, prove it, prove it, prove it, right? then you, you just make the farthest distance and you just get it done. There's no logic behind it. Nothing I just says me coming up with something testing and doing it. You know what? Uh, whatever. When Max Kellerman said, Martian's coming down, death beam, laser, pointed at me, one team to win the NBA Finals, I got Bucks and Six. That's the two things. It's either Suns and Four, Bucks and Six. That's the meme that's going around right now. I just, I think defensively they're just better. I think they're a little bit more of a complete team. And once again, I think it's going to be a good series. I said it when every series they played. I think the first team split 1 1. I think it goes 1 1. Um, I, I think Bucks and Six is what I would take. And that's, that's, what I, that's just my feeling. That's just my feeling. Bucks and Six plus 160. Cash it. Finals MVP winner. Chris Middleton. It's my it's my hot take. If the Suns win it, Chris Paul is going to win it. No doubt in my mind. But Finals MVP, Chris Middleton, Bucks and Six. All right, that is it for the end of episode 62. As per usual, you can always find this on Apple and Spotify. Just go to No Block Sports. Just look us up. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, one, everything. Also, follow me on Twitter at NoBlockSports1. And if you're ever interested in what I actually do, I started running for a group called uh, Sixers Nation. Um, where basically I just write Sixers um, articles because um, I'm a big Sixers fan and that's what I want to do in life. And so if you want to check that out, do that. You can follow them on Sixers Nation. Follow me on Twitter. It's a new handle now. It's like J underscore green. Jason Swaggy had to be retired. J underscore green 4599. Jason Swaggy had to be retired. We're getting out of college now. I got to be a little bit more professional. But remember, like, comment, subscribe. I always like comments, especially on Twitter. You disagree with my takes on Twitter? Come at me. I'm down to argue every single day. Thanks for listening if you made it this far. Um, and I hope you guys have a good one. Oh, and, and Bucks and Sex.